You're listening to episode 30 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up with personal brand and freedom stylist, Elizabeth Hartke. Each week, Elizabeth brings you the tools you need to create a life of true freedom and fulfillment by scaling and monetizing your personal brand. Get clarity, become a leader in your field and make an impact that pays. Grab your favorite healthy smoothie or beer and let's get to the show. Get ready because today we have a special guest on the show that's literally going to change the way you do business and how you do you. Do you ever feel like you don't have a compelling story? I hear that all the time from my clients like, yeah, but I don't really have a story or it's not that interesting or nobody wants to hear my story. Or maybe you feel like you can't craft your story in a way that really delivers or you just feel like you're not a great storyteller. Like you want to speak to your business and your products and all these things, but you don't know how to do it through story. We have the expert on how to capture attention, close sales, and increase influence all through the art of strategic storytelling. Kendra Hall is the president and chief storytelling officer, yes, that's a thing, at Stellar Collective, a consulting firm that she and her husband have created focused on the strategic application of storytelling. And she's one of the most sought-after keynote speakers trusted by global brands to deliver presentations and trainings that inspire teams and individuals to better communicate the value of their company, their products, and their individuality through strategic storytelling. It is such an underused tool. And those who master it, those who understand that facts tell and stories sell, they're limitless. In other words, she teaches the big kahunas on how to use their stories to sell. And of course, she's also a mom and a wife, and a wildly funny speaker that I personally adore and have already learned so much from. And she has what will soon be, I'm calling it right now, a best-selling book called Stories That Stick that's launching September 24th. So mark your calendar. I've already read it cover to cover. I got an advanced reader copy, and that alone was worth the price of admission to get Kendra on the show because this book I mean, I scribbled so many notes and I've already seen her speak and I've followed her journey and look at her content daily and I still learn so much from this book. So anyway, I want to get to our special guest because she's incredible. We had a lot of laughs and have your notebook out for this one. This is going to revolutionize how you run your business. Let's get to the show. All right, Kendra, I could not be more excited to welcome you officially to Scaling Up. Thanks for being here with us today. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Well, since you know, you're the queen of storytelling, I figured I would steal the spotlight for like a split second before we hand it over to you and I'd start with a little story because it's relevant and about you. Oh, <laughs> okay. Now I'm nervous. Like, this Don't be nervous. <laughs> okay. So last year I was attending a leadership event in Las Vegas for some of the top leaders in my industry. And I believe it was like my sixth year in attendance and for this particular conference. And they always get the best, most world-class speakers to come drop some serious knowledge us. And at the time I was about like probably a million months pregnant with my third baby. And we were in blustery Las Vegas, which is a lovely place to be when you're all swollen and tired. (laughs) And I was in the bathroom peeing more than I was actually in the conference. That's just kind of like the nature of the beast at that point. And I was about to run to leave to the, for the bathroom for like the fifth time in that hour between speakers, because I tried to time it as best as I could. And I hear the sweet voice start speaking and I found myself kind of lingering in the back of the room doing the pee-pee dance instead of making my escape. And the next thing I know, 30 minutes have passed and I'm still cross-legged in a chair in the back of the room because I'm (laughs) just neck deep in your story and I couldn't pull myself away from it. And I left that day with a completely new perspective on the power of story and also probably a bladder infection, but I forgive you for that. (laughs) But it was so worth it because you're just so masterful with it. and. I can't wait to dive into storytelling and how you do it and how it all came to be. So I'm just really excited. (laughs) Hey, you did such a good job with that story. I'm so proud. Like, did you notice all the specific details that you put in there? I try. (laughs) I I know you It makes me so happy because I know that you read the books. I'm like, oh, good job. Heck yeah. I'm like dying for your book to launch. All right, we're going to get to, to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all, that's all in good time. So your fascination with story, it started at a young age. And I love that, that story you share about 
being in the car with your family because you paint such a vivid picture. Can you talk to us about how this spark for storytelling started with you? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, the story about the cassette tape actually is probably like one of the second stops on the story. The first stop where I told my first story, it was an assignment for fifth grade. And you know how you just like you get assignments, like maybe, you know, you remember you do the volcano in science class and you do, and I'm sure there's some kids that like built the volcano in science class and were like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a scientist, right? But for me, I was in fifth grade and we choose a children's book and then go read it to a third grade classroom. So I chose the book, The Giant's Big Toe, an American classic, yes. Um, And I remember like walking into the third grade classroom and the girl before me who read her book, who was in my class, who was before me, she read the book, I'll Like You Forever, I'll Love You For Always. You know that book, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is when it first, like, this is when the book first came out, was when, I don't, well, I don't know how old you are, but it was right about when I was in fifth grade. And she sat there and read that whole long sing-songy book to these third graders, and they were just going out of their minds. So they're, like, bouncing off the walls, and, and it's my turn then. Of course, I'm the last one. It's right before the bus has come. And I decide just to put my book down and just tell the story. I mean, it had to have been within the first two or three sentences. All the kids were silent. They were hanging on every word. Like I could feel it. I will say, like I had a lot of power in that moment and I really liked it. Like I was like, hey, this is awesome. So so the rest of that fifth grade year, and again, it was at the end of the year, so there wasn't a whole lot of time, but I really didn't go back to my classroom. I went to every other classroom in the school and told the story of the giant's big toe. So that's really when it started. And my mom said to me, well, she didn't say to me, but my mom saw me tell the story because I practiced it then for her. And she knew too that maybe there was something. She's like, I've just never seen anything quite like that. Kind of like, you know, when you watch your kids do something and you're like, wait a minute, is that special? Like, did they do, you know, hopefully it's it's something good and not like, right. oh my gosh, <laughs> like how many hot dogs can he shove in his mouth? That's not safe. But It was definitely something my mother wanted to encourage. And I really appreciate that because I know as a mother, and I'm sure it only gets more difficult as my kids get older, to like walk that fine line between encouraging something and like shoving it down their throat. And my mom did a really good job of that. And so what she did, it was like that summer, maybe it was the next summer, we went to the library and we checked out all of these cassette tapes, like books on tape. This is before podcasts or anything, where it was recordings from storytellers. So it was either told live at the National Storytelling Festival, which is this big festival that happens in Tennessee every year. And that's the one that I remember. Like my brother was in the back seat of the, we had a minivan because we were super cool. And (laughs) minivans are awesome, but it wasn't like the fancy minivans of today. This is like an Aerostar, which I don't even think they make anymore. I I know the Aerostar well. Yeah, exactly. It was like blue, like light blue on the bottom. And then it had like a reddish stripe around the middle and then like a gray. I mean, they had ombre going before it was like a thing. But I was in the middle seat. I got the middle seat to myself. My sister and my brother were in the back. My sister always fell asleep on car rides. I would always read. My mom was trying to read, but my dad was listening to the Minnesota Twins play baseball and it was either the Twins or the Vikings and my mom would be complaining because the radio was too loud. And then all of a sudden from the back seat, I just hear my brother, my younger brother, just like laughing out loud all of a sudden, like busting out. And he was listening to one of these cassette tapes of these storytellers. And we hadn't heard it yet. It was like the first time one of us had listened to the tape. And so finally, like I was kind of annoyed with him because I was always kind of annoyed with my younger siblings. But we took the tape out of his Walkman and put it in the van so we could all listen to it. And you know, like you get a family and we all, everyone has different agendas, right? And we turned on that cassette tape and all of us were like my sister woke up, my dad turned off the twins and we were all laughing and thinking and experiencing the story together. And that was just another one of those moments where I was like, wow, look at, even though we're so different, like we're all really enjoying this experience. So that's really when, and then there just was a series of other events that over time, I'm like the storytelling, you just, you keep feeling the power and getting the sense that maybe you're the one to share that power with the world. Oh, I love that. And you know, what's so funny. You tell this story about, first of all, for all our millennials or anyone listening, a cassette tape, I know. this little thing that we used to put in the car that like was eventually replaced by CDs, which you also probably are less and less it. familiar with. Yeah. It's like 
an MP3 or a digital recording, but it was on yeah. a little thing. So that's a cassette tape. But I hear this story about you and your family in the car and I want more. And I found that to be kind of the theme when I would saw you speak on stage. And then when I kind of sought out some of your other material in reading your book, the way you tell a story, it's like, oh my gosh, I want to know every little detail that you're giving. And I want to know about this car ride with your family. And when you look at the different things that I want to know more about, they're just like kind of just whatever things like a car ride with a family. But the way that you describe them makes me feel like I'm sitting in the car with you and experiencing that moment where your whole family came together through this one unified thing and hearing your brother laughing and just all of those things. And when I think about a great storyteller, I think about my experience when I sat in the audience and watched you speak on stage. It was like, I couldn't look away. That was kind of the thing that I took away from it. Like, oh my gosh, there's something so captivating about her that I can't look away. So what do you think that is? Like, what is this just something that people are born with and some people have it and some don't? Or is this a learned skill? Like, why do I want to know everything about this weird little, this storytelling festival and this ride with your family? Like, (laughs) I just want more. What is that? So that's a really good, it's a really good question. And I think it is kind of just like an age old question, right? Like, are we born with things or do we, can we practice and get better at them? And so I think it's probably a little bit of both. So when you saw me on stage, I've been doing this for decades now. This is what I do. And I've put in the time, I've put in the rep, I've put in the 10,000 hours so it can look that way. So let's just put that out there. Okay. Set that to the side though. And I really do think that I know that there is there is also a science to a story. Like part of the reason that you are so captivated, that anybody's so captivated, is because of the components that you can include in the story. And so, and and this is something I discuss in the book, but I have there's four ma- major components. One is to have identifiable characters. So in that story that I just told you right there about the cassette tape, like you could sense a dad, right? Like a father. And now the thing is, is he probably maybe looked like a father figure in your life. And then you could sense the mom up in the front seat and you could picture, because I told you about the people in the story, which makes the story more real. And then of course I set it in a very specific moment, like a place and a time, and even building out the details on that Astro Star minivan. Now, here's what's interesting. When I mentioned that it was, I kind of threw out the detail, and this is a specific detail, which is another one of the components, the third component, was when I said Astro Star and you said, Oh, I'm familiar with that. Then I'm like, Oh, I can go even further on these details because you know what I'm talking about. And so then I could like kind of pick up, but that's because we're in this conversation right here. So it's identifiable characters. It needs to happen in a specific moment. There needs to be authentic emotion. Now, I wouldn't say that this story is entirely emotional, but the emotion that I'm sure you could sense was a annoyance, right? Do you have siblings? Oh yeah. Yeah. So exactly. So you're like, oh yeah, I've been there. Are you the oldest? I am. I don't know why I knew that. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) so you could, but you could relate to that emotion. And so, yeah, it isn't like the emotion of extreme sadness or elation or tragedy. It's just like, being annoyed with your siblings, which is a real something that people can connect to. And then the last one, of course, is specific details. So getting specific with the color of the Astro Star minivan or even the part about I'll like you forever, I'll love you for always. Yep. So what's funny is I was on a podcast the other day and I I mentioned that detail, but it was the person interviewing me was from a different generation and they they didn't know that book. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's a good note to take. But then I know you and we're from a similar generation. I'm like, oh, she's going to know that book. So did that help? Did I, that even answer your question? Yes. It yes, did. it's natural. But there are also things that you can do to tell stories that people connect with. Yeah. So there's kind of like a science and a little bit of an art behind storytelling. And one thing I want to talk about is, so when you go to Kendra's website, I love how it's really to the point. And for anyone on here thinking like that Kendra just goes around telling stories. No, this is what she does for a living. And she's literally a professional storyteller. And one of the things that I noticed you focusing a lot on, which you emphasize in your book that we'll talk about in a sec, is capture attention, close sales, increase influence through the art of storytelling. And I want to talk to our listeners about the fact that this is actually something that you can and absolutely should be doing within your business because this is where you're going to make your impact. 
But at what point did you say, oh, I'm going to be a professional storyteller for a living? Like, what did you do prior to this? And how did this get to a place where it's like, just to speak to our entrepreneurs that listen in who are always like trying to get their business off the ground or scale their business? Like, what point were you like, okay, I can turn this into something profitable, not just a passion or a hobby or anything? Yeah, that's such a, it's such a great question. And I'm reminded of that graphic that you'll see. It's a point A and point B. And the caption says like what we think success looks like. And it's just like a straight line. And then like what it actually looks like. And it's like looped around and up and down and all jagged. And so I don't think you can ever go into, I had somebody once ask me about my book. They're like, how do you know if a book is going to make money? And I'm like, you don't until it starts making money. Like that's right. So that's one of the things is you just have to take those risks and you, you have to go for it. But I had been telling stories. I told stories on the speech team. And yes, I was, I was very popular, just like all the speech team kids are. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so I told stories there. I studied uh, storytelling and organizational culture in, in my master's degree, in my graduate thesis. And then I was in a marketing and then a sales role once I left graduate school. Well, and for a time there, I was a beer cart girl at a golf course, which- Because everyone's got to have their stint in that. I, I, I was good. I mean, I made good money as a cart girl. I have a backup plan if I ever <laughs> the story ever falls apart. Right. But it really was being in sales and marketing. As a profession, like I was, I worked for a company. I still realized that when our, and it was through the recession was when I was leading sales, which was awesome, which was a great, but still when people were connecting to the product, when they were connecting to the values we were trying to communicate, when, when it was working was when I continuously pulled our messaging back to stories. So I had that suspicion. And then I don't know, I just kind of, that, that job wasn't a good fit anymore. And I was trying to find something else. And, and I always knew, you know, I love telling stories, love writing stories. I'm like, I think I just need to do storytelling, but I didn't really know what that was. But I went in and told my boss that I was leaving. And then I found out like a week later that I was pregnant. So what I didn't know was I just kind of like left a job to become a stay at home mom now because I didn't like you was, because I didn't really know what my business would be, but I kept trying different things. So I would use stories to help a local nonprofit. I was using stories to help a few business owners like hone their message and differentiate themselves. And these are just friends of mine. I wrote stories for people's weddings, like for their wedding vows. Love and it. I would sit down and I would interview the bride separately and I would interview the groom separately. And then I would write their whole story. It would take me days upon days upon days and I charged $100. I know. Oh my gosh. You know, like I would spend like so much time, but I was just trying to figure it out. Like I had this thing that I knew I was good at, but I just didn't know. I didn't know exactly. So I just kept kind of trying, I kept trying things. And I mean, it was hard because when I just decided to leave that job, I was cutting our family's income in half. And, and so my husband and I really did. We sat down and like we went through every single family finance. We sold my car. We unsubscribed from Netflix, which at the time was still a service that just delivered DVDs to your house. Yep. I like, recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we just like, we cut it all down and it was, and I still didn't really know what it was, but I kept trying things. And then the path started to become clear. And I think that's a really important thing as you're thinking about this and you feel like this is the right direction, keep following that feeling and then keep an eye out for affirmations and confirmations of like which direction you should go. So I was actually doing some work for a thought leader and helping him with his stories and honing his stories. And he said to me, if you can teach people how to do what you do for me, there's something there. And it was kind of a passing comment. Like it wasn't like, I am now going to give you the greatest career advice of your entire life. Like he was just like, gosh, you should figure out how to teach this. And I was like, okay. Like Monica says, like when Chandler's like, you should be a chef. She's like, Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so that was the beginning of thinking, all right, maybe I should do this. And then of course I married all the speaking that I'd done on the speech team and that I did in my sales role and tried to figure out how to teach storytelling on stages. And then it was a lot of hustle and hard work, but that's, that's really where it started. Yeah. And I, I want to stay there for one sec because something you said to, to kick this whole thing off that really like resonated with me was when you said someone asked, oh, well, how do you know if a book is going to be profitable? And you're like, well, you don't, you just, you know, once it is, that is the exact point. Like you don't, a person doesn't have a book on their heart and focus on the money. They 
put the book out into the world because it's on their heart and it deserves to live out in the world. And the money follows that. And I think that's exactly what you've done. Like you've, you were saying how you just tried all these different things Mm -hmm. and people are afraid to try things because they're afraid to fail. People are afraid to try things because they're afraid of what people will think of them or, you know, what if this way doesn't work? You just keep pivoting. You just keep shifting and ultimately it guides you down the path. And then you meet the person like that guy who says that thing, like you just don't know where it's going to come from. And this is the result. The result is that you're out there making this impact in the world. And it's, it's funny, like I say it jokingly, but for anyone who thinks, like I tell people all the time, okay, I coach people in how to take their vision and their dreams and turn it into a business that is profitable and all that jazz. Well, people will say like, well, I don't know what kind of business to start. Like I don't have like a specific skill set. Kendra is a professional storyteller. She realized that she could tell really good stories about a giant's big toe. And she said, ultimately got to this place where she's like, I'm going to figure out how to make this thing profitable. So you just like debunked the excuse that people have of like, oh, I don't have anything that I can do. Mine is telling stories. Yeah. Yeah. She tells stories. (laughs) She gets paid really well to tell stories. So I just had to... No, no. And I think that's what like, I do think that it's important to like, because now, because now people are like, oh, well, obviously that's what you... And I'm like, it was not obvious. It was, Mm -hmm. and nobody thought... So here's another stop on the journey because I had that guy tell me, you should teach people how to do this. So where I first took that was I should develop an online training program about how to tell your story. And I did. And I bent so much time, like in between naps, right? Because I was still a stay-at-home mom. Um, So I would like put the kids to bed and I would like go and I would write. And then we got a guy to videotape it and we turned the nursery into a film studio, which we we talked about this earlier. Like right now I'm recording my very fancy studio that's under my son's bunk bed. Um, But we did all this and we put all this time and all this energy and I hired designers to create this curriculum. And at the time it was on DVD. I feel so old. I swear I'm not that old. We like hired a de- another designer to like put it in a manual. And I, I mean, I really did. I created a PhD basically in storytelling in this curriculum. Then I was going to sell it and like send it out into the world. And so I created this whole funnel and these videos and, and all this. And oh my gosh, it was so good. And then I sent it out to my list. Right. <laughs> How'd that go? Nobody bought, not a single, not a single. And this was the thing. This was the thing that was going to be my thing. Like I did it. I did what I was supposed to do. And I remember actually the day before I was launching it to my list, a friend of ours came over and we were like showing her everything that we had and it was all out. And this is a friend of mine. And she looked at it all and said, so are people going to buy this? And I was like, yes, yes, they're going to buy. Of course they're going to. And she said, who? Who is going to buy this? And I mean, keep in mind, this is like, this is my, like, this is like my year, like two years worth of effort and work. And yeah, so then we launched it to my list. Nobody bought it. And I remember, I remember, and we're like, okay, it's just the first, you know, it's the first couple of hours. Like people haven't even checked their emails yet. And then it was like, and then it was like a half a day and still nobody. And then it was like evening and, and my husband's like, well, maybe now they're home from work and now they're going to buy. No, woke up the next day, still no orders. And I remember coming down the stairs, my husband was standing in the kitchen and I was like, I think this is the worst day of my life. (laughs) And he was like, he was trying to make me feel better. I'm like, no, no, listen to me. I'm allowed to feel really bad about this because this failed and I am devastated. I put all this time and all of our family's money and all this work into this and nothing is happening with it. I'm like, just let me have this day to be really bummed about it. And so it was like, that was, it was horrible. Now, of course, I don't see it that when I think about that girl on the stairs at that moment, I remember that it was horrible. But now, all that work to put that program together was really honing my ability to be able to teach this concept in an hour, like you saw, or 45 minutes on a stage, right? Because I went through all that work to develop it and film it and record it and and produce it. Now the program sells without me really even mentioning it. Like, I don't even talk about that program anymore. So it's all just, you just never know what it's going to look like. Yeah. You live to tell the tale and you picked yourself up by your bootstraps. And I think that that was probably one of those, like if people say, look, look back on your life and pull out those pivotal moments, that's, I would have to imagine that's one of them for you because that's where a lot of people were, would close up shop. 
mm-hmm. say, okay, obviously this whole idea is a wash. Like this wasn't the right thing. I wasted all this time and money, but you shifted your focus and said, okay, now I have to take it from another angle. And I'm sure it wasn't immediate. You got to have your sulking day. You got, everyone's got to have their I sulking had day. And, uh, <laughs> I did the whole day. Uh, ben and Jerry's ice cream. That's exactly what Ben and Jerry's ice cream is for. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so one of the things that I run into a lot, now I'm able to teach story at a higher level truly because of a lot of your content. Like I took a lot of notes that day that you spoke. And now, as you saw in my Instagram story from the other day, I totally destroyed your book with my own notes, like writing <laughs> feverishly. No, you brought um, it to life. You made it better with your notes. I kind of want that copy back. I'll send you a new one. If you I'll want. sign I'll sign it for you. Yes, please do that. <laughs> so I hear a lot in the people that I'm coaching and these are like a lot of these people are earning, you know, seven figures. Like they have a successful business, yeah. but they still are falling into this false narrative of, yeah, but I don't really have a story. What do you say to the people who think like, I don't really have a story. Like I didn't have anything traumatic happen to me or I didn't hit the mega box or whatever. Like they don't have anything that they feel like they can craft into the story. I know what I would say to them and you will probably say it a lot nicer than I would. So I'm going to let you say (laughs) what you would tell someone that says something like that. First, I would say like I've been there and sometimes I'm still there. Like sometimes I think what good is my... So, you know, like I only have this many Instagram followers and that person has this many Instagram followers and which is sad that even the storyteller sometimes questions whether or not she has a story. So that should say something right there. But I I will say this. I, for a long time when I was in, I was in fifth grade and then when I was in high school, I was telling fairy tales and folk tales and they were never my own stories. But I was hearing other people tell their personal stories and other storytellers at storytelling festivals. Yes. And what always caught my eye, whether it was on that cassette tape in the minivan or being at the actual festivals, is the stories I liked most were the really simple ones, were the story of a favorite teacher or were the story of a funny experience, uh, you know, like when they were in college or like a funny interaction with a spouse. Like those were the stories I liked most, the really simple ones that felt a lot like my life, no matter how old they were, no matter what their background was, like I could connect with them. And I remember I was at a storytelling event, like a conference, and there was an open mic night. And it was in Oklahoma City, and I was in i was in college or graduate school, somewhere around there. And I really wanted to tell at this open mic night, but I didn't think I had a story to tell. And I knew I couldn't tell a fairy tale, but then I had a glass of wine, I think, beforehand. I'll just be Here's honest all things. That. Yeah. So, so I just decided with this newfound courage from this glass of wine that I would get up and tell a story at this open mic night thinking that I didn't have one to tell. And plus I'm also like, like they were all had all these incredible, like cultural backgrounds. And I'm just like blonde from Minnesota, like straight up middle-class, like Midwestern. Like I got nothing going in terms of adversity, but I got up and I told a story of like a funny, but true and heartbreaking story about, not heartbreaking, but like a high school breakup, basically. Nothing extravagant. And yet I finished and everybody from all ages, from all backgrounds was coming up to me and retelling me stories about their high school breakups. And that was the moment where I realized everybody has these stories because we all live these days. We all have, we live the same days. Now they look slightly different, but across the board, we all have those. And so then it's sometimes it's best to connect with your small, simple stories because they reach people, you know? So, so if you don't think you have a story, really what it is, is you don't think you have a story that's big enough or dramatic enough. You're not trying to write a movie. Like, yeah, maybe your life wouldn't be turned into a movie, but we don't need our lives to be turned into movies to make difference in our lives and make difference in other people's lives. You hit the nail on the head. And I, what, don't you love yes, I got it. I know. <laughs> uh, so in your book, which is called, give us a, give us the deets on the book. Stories that stick, how storytelling can, what is it, captivate customers, influence <laughs> audiences, and transform business. It's a mouthful, I know. And it's amazing. And I, like I already said, I already scrolled so many notes. But one of the things that I love that you talked about in your book is you have this kind of process of helping people find their story. I know people have to get the book, but in the meantime, can you walk us through some like 
tangible things that we can do to kind of start to extract our own story or the story that we're going to tell. I mean, sometimes like when you were on stage that day, it's not like it was the Kendra show standing up there telling us her whole life story. She was telling other people's stories sometimes or stories of experiences or different things like that. But are there some tangible things or actionable things that people can start to do to, to extract that story? Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's so, there's so many different ways and things that you can do. I think for this audience, you know, if you have a business or you're thinking of starting a business, I think a really good place to start with finding your stories is to first be clear about the message that you want to deliver. Is the message that you want to tell a story about, is it a message that illustrates the value of a product or a message that maybe differentiates you from your competition? Or is it a story that you're trying to engage a team member or something? So so, so, what is the message that you're trying to deliver? That's an important place to start. And then the second equally as important, again, I mentioned it just a second ago, but who are you telling this story to? Like who is your, who is your audience? Now, now for me, right, my audience is, I, I mean, I speak for I'm going to speak for a bunch of lawyers tomorrow and then bankers the the next day. And I was, you know, but then I'll be talking to entrepreneurs next month. And so my audience is very varied. Yours might be too. But when you know what the message is and you know have an idea of who the audience is and what they want, that's a good place to be able to tell the right story. So that's one thing. And then the second thing for finding your stories is once you're clear on that, look for specific moments in your life. Where stories go wrong is we just kind of, Say, oh, I, you know, several years ago, I just decided to follow my passion. And then I started this business. And now I love being able to, you know, blah, 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 blah. Pick a specific moment. Maybe it was the first day, like the moment your business cards arrived. Mm-hmm. If you have bit. I don't even think we'll have business cards. I'll let that one slide. I know, right? We'll roll with it. We'll roll with it. Yeah. Or, Or I remember like the first day. I got a check in the mail to pay me to speak. And I just like stared at it. And it wasn't very much, but I just like stared at that check like, oh my goodness, this is, this is happening. So, so what are some of those like specific moments and then build the story around that? Mm, Yes. I love that because I think so often we allude to story. We Mm -hmm. think we're telling a story. I do, I do this sometimes. And then I go back and I kind of fact check myself or check my writing or when I'm speaking and I'll say like, did I actually tell a story? Like, is this something someone is actually able to picture in their brain or is it just kind of like this wishy-washy alluding to a message that kind of relates to something versus saying like, remember that day when I woke up at this time and this, 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 and this happened. And it's just so different that feeling give them something to sink their teeth into and feel like they're like that time we were riding in the car with you and your family, you know, like, I could picture even you didn't even describe the interior of the van, but I created in my mind a vision of what you were saying just based on all the other details that you were putting together. What did the inside of the van look like to you? What color was the upholstery? Definitely not leather seats. No. No. It was uh kind of that like tan, Ooh, grayish tan color. But the ceiling was carpeted. Yes. Yeah, they are. But that's so. This is like my like the actual minivan that I was in was blue. Like it Mm -hmm. was like a bluish, like that cadet blue. I think is probably the best way. But it doesn't matter. Like that's what you want is for the. I always love comparing like what they picture because what you're picturing is something that is drawn from your life experience Mm -hmm. from a minivan that at some point in your life you rode in, and that's what matters because you you created. So think about that. We have these two minivans. Driving down the street, yours and mine. I just think, I just think that's a really beautiful piece of like the human experience, you know, yeah. that storytelling can bring these. So all those, everybody's listening to this, right? And all the minivans that are driving down the seat, the road, and all the different ways it looks like on the inside, and the people who are in those vans. And I don't know, I just it's cool. Yeah, I think so too. And okay, so you have to humor me for a second because I totally geek out on it. You just said something human experience and just made me go here because you wrote about this in your book, but I've also read it other places too. Anything like brain chemistry, you just have to be a nerd with me for a minute here because probably about six years ago now, my brother suffered his first of several traumatic brain injuries playing sports and his concussions were severe and the repercussions were 
even more severe. And it, it set us on a long road to recovery and thank God he's doing really well now. But I was in red hot pursuit of studying the brain. Like it became everything. So any book I could find on it and all like more holistic approaches, because if you talk to different doctors in that space, neurologists, like everything they'd say was really grim. Like it was just, oh yeah, he has this and it's going to be really hard to ever recover, but this is how you deal with the symptoms kind of thing. And I wanted a solution. And one of the things the holistic doctors wanted to try to do were find ways to increase his oxytocin levels naturally. Mm. And in the book, you talk about stories, influence on the brain and the actual chemistry of the brain and how the storyteller and the recipient of that story or the person listening to it, they actually end up kind of harmonized and in sync. Can we talk about just for a sec to humor me, the, the brain chemistry, like what scientifically story is doing to us and like just how evidence of how powerful it really is. Yeah. And of course, this isn't, this is a research that I wrote about, but didn't, con- didn't conduct myself, of mm-hmm. course. But yeah, when we hear stories, our brain responds to actual stories, like stories that have those characters, that have the emotion, that have the details, that bring us into that co-creative process that the brain releases cortisol and it releases oxytocin, which is empathy, which is emotion. And there was actually, and I I can't speak to it very well here, but there has been research done about storytelling in Alzheimer's and like how interestingly that brain synchronicity works to get that, again, to stimulate the memory receptors. So I can't imagine and now obviously you're it sounds like you're on the other side of it but like what an interesting experiment that would have been to be sharing stories with your brother mm-hmm. to activate that release of of oxytocin did you did they try anything like that they didn't and i wish you know i wish i had found things like this sooner i mean again like i said thank god he's doing great so yeah yeah but in those moments that felt so like dark and hopeless like things like this would have given us so much hope. And I I really genuinely believe they would work because you see people all the time to kind of go back to the Alzheimer's point where someone will have dementia or something in a nursing home and they'll show them, put like headphones on them and they'll play a song from their era or they'll play, you know, a story or something and they light up. It's like all the life had been gone in them for so long. And then that one thing just turns, brings them back to that, their story from childhood or whatever it is. And it elicits this response with so much joy and energy that like this person was just sitting there like borderline like a vegetable. And now all right. of a sudden they're, they're clapping their hands and they're smiling and they're upbeat and they're talkative and they're, they're making sense all of a sudden. It's just incredible. So it's so obvious that it, it is a chemical thing that's happening in the brain. And I think it kind of segues me into thinking about as a business owner, you're using story and it's going to help you convert people and yes. sales and things. And so as entrepreneurs, I feel like it's not being utilized enough. Like people want to give the facts and they want to tell the facts about their business or the facts about what this product will do for them. Like eat this and lose X amount of pounds instead of digging into the story. And you tell in the book, that example about that hospital in Arizona. And I was just, I made my husband come read it because I was like, Oh my God, this is what I'm talking about. Yes. Can you kind of talk to us about that? And what business owners can be doing to use story and storytelling in their businesses? Yeah. And I think the thing that's really important is there are a lot of things that make you think you're telling a story, but you're not. So, and so if you're doing those things, you're not going to get the benefits that story will provide. So if it's just like, oh, this is my, this is my mission statement. And you say like, follow your dreams, pursue your passion or ultimate, you know, like excellent care, ultimate customer service. Like that's all like none of that, right. We're immune to any of that language anymore. So that's number one. And then of course the facts and the logic, like, and and this is one of the problems, the challenges that entrepreneurs face is it is your job to know the ins and outs of every element and aspect of the business part of the business, the details, the logic. That's the kind of stuff that you geek out on, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not what they're geeking out on. All they want to know is like, what will their life look like after when 
if, if they say yes to you. And so your job, your only job is to first paint that picture of like, this is what your life could look like if you say yes to me, whether it's to hire you as their certified financial planner or, you know, like a, a coach to help you get healthy, whatever it is, you have to, you have to make them feel that and say, oh, I want that in, in my life. And I think back to, here's a story for you. I think back to my wedding when I was, when I was engaged and actually even before I was engaged, I've always been, you know, like I tried on a wedding dress before, but we were even engaged, which maybe, maybe I shouldn't tell you that, but I was like, <laughs> I knew, I knew we, I was going to marry this guy. This is going down. I, I was by a wedding shop. I might as well try on this wedding dress. But before we were engaged and I came across this wedding photographer and I loved her work. Like it was, it was really good. She was also very expensive for our budget, like out of our, like that would be like people were basically, well, they literally did eat macaroni and cheese at our wedding because I love mac and cheese, but um, they were going to be eating like ramen and mac and cheese because I wanted this wedding photographer. But I'll tell you what happened is I read her about me page and on her page, it said something like, I might cry at your wedding. And she told this story of watching this bride walk down the aisle to her, you know, and she, she did a great job of like painting the picture and, and the bride on the dad's arm and the groom looking back at her and, you know, and realizing that it was her job to capture all of this. But she was so caught up in the moment that she was just weeping as she was taking the photographs. And then she said at the end, luckily my camera has autofocus, so your pictures will turn out great. Awesome. But but I read that and I was like, I want her. Mm-hmm. I want her to I want whoever takes the photos on my at my wedding to look at me like she looks at the, at a bride. Like I want to be seen that way. And so I had that story, then I went and looked through what everything cost. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. I was so sold. And then my job was to go and sell it to my fiance when the when the time came, but I had the story to do it. So that's what we say yes to. We say yes to the story. And then we fill in all the logic. So that's what I did. I went back to him. I told him the story. I'm like, oh, and you get this and you get this and you get an engagement shoot, and you get this. And the, but if she had started with, oh, you get an engagement shoot and blah, 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 blah. Everybody's saying that. Like she told that story and I was sold. So I think we miss that opportunity. And I think the reason is we're scared. Like we're scared that the story isn't enough. So that's what I would encourage. That's what I would encourage you the audience here to try is just take one instance, like one, maybe it's even something you feel like is a little bit more low stakes and just put story to the test. Choose a story, tell the story and, and watch the risk. You won't believe, you won't believe the response. It's, it's like magic. Mm, Yes. It's like, you know, the little, uh, emoji, like preach hands. Yes. Yes. That's what I'm doing right now. Just preach because it's uh, just like, I've seen it in action and I've seen, you know, you hear that phrase, like, uh, facts tell stories sell. It's true. People remember how you make them feel. And if you tell that compelling story from the heart, you're going to make them feel something and people make financial decisions on feelings more than logic a lot of the times. And I think this is like a perfect example of that. What mistake, I just have one more question before we kind of get into like the the closing thoughts and I want to pick your brain on something. What mistakes do you see entrepreneurs making in this space? We kind of already talked about like alluding to a story. What are other things that they're doing that they can like change today? Because there are going to be a lot of people listening that are like, oh my God, I'm doing that. (laughs) And they just need to make that shift so that they can start to move in the right direction and create compelling story that's going to help convert their, their prospects. Yeah. So, so definitely what you said, and that's something I always stay on state, stay on stage is the biggest mistake we make is we allude to the story. We don't actually tell a story and that difference alone. I mean, that's, that's the starting point of the next thing that I would say is the most important thing to change is to go small like choose one car ride, right? Like when people are like, oh, what's your story? How did you become a storyteller? I don't say, you know, I don't try to tell them everything. I tell them the story about fifth grade. I tell them the story about the minivan. I have another story that I tell about a talent show in college. So I have a few, like I have a set of stories that I can tell around my like life's journey and passion, but they're all based in very small 
moments. Like mm-hmm. they're moments that I can bring people in. So that's one thing, especially as entrepreneurs, find Now, don't feel limited that you have to choose one because we all have many. Like we have many stops on our journey. So, but start with one of them. Except that you can tell all except. Why do I keep why do I keep doing um friends references today? I think you bring it out. Did you watch Friends or something? I'm feeling I'm feeling this like except that, like A C C E P T. Except that you can tell all those other stories another time. Choose one, choose one moment. And really build it out. Who was there? What did it feel like? Give us some specific details. Go small on that story. And that's where you'll really see a difference. So Mm -hmm. I was on Instagram recently and there was a a woman, an influencer, who told the one small story about learning to ride her bicycle. And it was just such a powerful, small snapshot of her life. But see, especially even on Instagram, then like if if you're using social media as a part of your business, telling stories on there, even those little snapshots will draw people right and they won't be able to scroll away. They'll want to, they'll want to see it that way. So that would be, that would be the one thing that I would say to change is to focus on going small, find one moment, one instance, and then build out around that. Yeah, the micro story. I love that. And something that I've done that goes along right along with what you were saying is I was always having trouble pulling those little micro moments. So I took out a notebook that's dedicated just to stories and I started creating them. And I started writing out kind of bulleted these little mini stories that I could pull from that were relevant. And I would put just a little note like, this one is good for business. This one has to do with health. This one is a good one for like Instagram or motivation or whatever. And it was a, an exercise I started going through and I started, it was kind of fun, like remembering all these memories, but also being able to like flash back in my head and picture them so I could get really detailed in them. Exactly. Yeah. That was so helpful. And now I have this notebook when I'm like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I kind of go back to that and I pull from it and it's super helpful. And I think that's, that's a good, you bring up a good point is to be ready now that you've heard this, right? It's kind of like when you see like a yellow car and then, well, I live in New York, so I see yellow cars all the time because they're caps, but you see like, you see a car and you're like, oh, I've never seen a car like that before. And then suddenly you start seeing that car all the time. So now that you've been, we've been talking about storytelling, it's going to be on your mind. You're going to start seeing these moments or remembering moments from your life, or even as you're just going about your day that you'll think, oh, that could be a story. And so the, another key element is to be prepared. So whether you have a notebook or you, I use the um, notes app on my phone because sometimes I don't have the, you know, whatever purse I'm carrying. So I just take it out and I make, a, I jot down a little note about, oh, like this or this. But the key is I made a mistake yesterday. I had, I had three great story ideas just come to me. I don't even know why. And I didn't write them down right away. And now they're gone. I don't know what they are. Yep. So I know they'll come back, but I don't know what they are. So just be ready. You you hate to now you start to feel really sad when you lose a story. Like, yes. oh, I hate that story. I know. I do the I do the notes app too because I'm a pen and paper girl, but I, I'll start it there and then I'll yeah. transfer it and kind of make it more robust. Okay. The questions I ask, I like to know from all the people I interview. Who has been a big influence in your your journey, your life, storytelling, someone that's made an impact on you? From a storytelling perspective, there's a traditional classic storyteller who I just adore. He's who taught me what I know, or at least helped me refine what I know, knew in my soul. His name is Donald Davis. You can find his stories, I think on iTunes. He is a master and there's, I just can't say enough good about him. Awesome. I will be Googling him. I know. I'm like, I hope more people look at, it was just his birthday on the first I called him and he was so sweet. I just love him. I love him. It's so important to have those people that, you know, are um, however many steps ahead of you that you can learn from. And oh, yeah. And you just turned 75. So he is, he is several steps ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you've dated yourself quite a bit in this episode. I know. I know. So I, am not, I am not 75. <laughs> you did also say you saw a lot of yellow cars in New York. And about a year from now, there probably won't be taxis because of Uber. So No, no. We want the taxis. We got to keep the taxis. Okay. Well, keep- you don't want to deal with an Uber. You just want to take a taxi. Hashtag stay- save the taxis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Last question for you is resources. You know, I like to hear from other influencers, entrepreneurs, business people. What 
seminars have you been to that have rocked your world or books you've read or podcasts you've listened to, like anything, just like resources that pop into your head that you're like, okay, you got to go check this out. Yeah. Okay. So from a business perspective, some of the books that I love are the art, no, the war of art. Yes. Love it. It's like my fate. It's like my favorite book. Um, I love the book, big magic by Elizabeth. Yes. I really love that book. The power of habit is one of my, another favorite book of mine in terms of programs. I went through Darren Hardy's, what is it called? Insane productivity. Mm-hmm. It was really important for me as I was just launching my business and trying to figure out how to create time and focus. I found the principles. I think it's an online course now. I don't really know how he, sometimes he offers it, sometimes he doesn't. So that was a really great one for me. And then, yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. Those are good ones to get started with. Nothing new or revolutionary. Yeah. Well, those are all really good ones. You just named like my my best book list. Yay. Oh, for women though, I am reading this new book called uh, Do Less. It wasn't what I was expecting it to be and I'm really enjoying it. It's by Kate Northrup. Yep. Yep. I've seen that one going around and I, I haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah. It's fascinating. Okay, cool. It's on, going on the list. Yeah. And when is the official book launch? Yay! September 24th, the book comes out. Right now, we are in mad pre-order phase. So yeah, I'm so excited. And where can people find you? They can find me, well, on my website is kindrahall.com. On my website, the only reason I would tell you to go there is because there's an opportunity to sign up for my newsletter. I send out weekly storytelling videos. Do you get those or were you in the back? I do. Okay, no, good. No. You, you might have finally gone to the bathroom. No, well. no, I get them. I got one this morning. Okay, yeah. Oh, good, yeah. So you can sign up for those, and I send out weekly storytelling videos. I'm on Instagram. I'm there a lot. Uh, my 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 what is it at? Oh my gosh, I, do I don't know. I'm I'm old too. I don't know. I know. Kindra Hall, the little at symbol, Kindra Hall. I'm on Facebook at um, it's slash Kindra Hall fan, which again shows how old I am. I occasionally show up on Twitter, but not very often. Awesome. Well, this was amazing. Kendra, you are a kindred spirit of mine. I love your work. And like I said, all right, I'm marking the calendar. September, you said the 24th? Yeah, September 24th. Stories That Stick is coming out and I can't recommend it enough. You guys are going to hear me talk about it a lot. And I already told Kendra I'm going to be using it to, to help mentor my people that I coach and everything because it's just so much value. And today was incredible. So I can't, can't thank you enough for your time. And I love following your journey. So thanks for sharing it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You are fabulous. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing fromies, freebies for my homies, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. And if you liked today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, Take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.